but I also think it's going to be junior to junior consolidation. Um, investors, importantly, um, are really against holding single asset companies these days, partially for the reason that Rick mentions and partially because it's, it's just not enough risk mitigation to have you know, all of your eggs in one basket. Osino Resources is a Ross Beattie-backed gold exploration company in mining-friendly Namibia. Osino's district-scale land package is situated near two producing gold mines, one of which Osino's management team previously developed and sold to B2 Gold. Osino's founders and management are experienced mining professionals who have already successfully developed and sold two companies in the past seven years. Osino has an excellent shareholder base with Ross Beattie owning 20%, Insiders 5%, and Resource Capital Funds 8%. This is an exploration company with drills turning that you'll definitely want to pay attention to. Osino trades in New York under the ticker O-S-I-L-F and in Toronto under the ticker O-S-I. To learn more, go to OsinoResources.com. That's OsinoResources.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to another Mining Stock Education episode. I appreciate uh, your listenership to this podcast. I'm in Vancouver at the Sprott Natural Resource Symposium, and I have the pleasure of sitting down with Rick Rule, the president and CEO of Sprott U.S. Holdings, as well as Peter Grosskop, the C- chief executive officer of Sprott Incorporated. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me today. Pleasure. Thanks for having us. Well, Rick, you always have taught me through listening to numerous interviews over numerous years that you always need to assess the motivation of the people that lead the companies that you invest in. With that being said, I thought it would be uh, interesting for the listeners to hear a little bit about your story. Peter, first with you, and then Rick. Why did you both join Sprott? Perhaps a little bit about your background, and then what was the motivation for you on the, the employment level of joining the Sprott team? Well, that's a great question, and I think we can almost answer it together because we joined at the same time. Um, but I had spent a career in banking the natural resource industry. Um, Eric Sprott and I were known to each other. I'd worked with Eric in the past. And when the opportunity came up to lead one of the best branded companies in the natural resource sector, and to do so as an investor first, um, I jumped at the chance. Um, it's, it, 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 as, as a banker to the industry, you're only really ever pushing money or, uh, one way or pulling it another. As an investor, you have to do, I think, a higher quality job assessing the opportunities, but when you're in the right one, you get spectacular payoffs. So to learn from one of the best and to build a company around that was my, my motivation. Rick? My story was similar. Uh, I had built a resource investment business. The parts of the business that intrigued me, the parts that I enjoyed, were investing itself, managing money, if you will, and investor education. And in my business, I found myself spending so much time managing my business that I didn't have time to do the stuff that I liked, the stuff that added value. So the proposition to me was that Peter and his team would run my business while they returned me. Uh, set me free to really investing the thing that I got in the investment business to do. Uh, I had known Eric Sprott as well. There were a lot of people that wanted wanted to buy my business over years, I I think basically to rape my clients, which I had no particular interest in. And Sprott wanted to buy me for all of the right reasons, to liberate me to add value. So a true win-win. Correct. Let's talk about Sprott's business. Uh, where is Sprott's biggest growth coming from right now? We have, uh, across the board, uh, 
presence in precious metal investing. And it's quite normal that when precious metal equities are running, the liquid funds get most of the attention. Um, I would say, though, that we also now have a strong institutional investing clientele, and they're more interested in private funds. Both at this time are growing together, and I would say that most people are coming to the firm for gold investments, although Rick may comment uh, on some other areas as well. I think looking at Sprott, what's interesting is that um, while most of our competitors in resource investment management and resource investment banking, merchant banking, if you will, uh, went into fetal position during the bear market, Sprott continued to be aggressive. We continued to hire the best people. We continued to market. So one consequence of that is that now that the markets have turned, all of our business units are performing. We offer exchange-traded physical precious metals trusts for retail investors, particularly U.S. taxpayers, to own physical precious metals. That's working. We're the market leader in natural resource investing, uh, natural resource lending. That business is working. The capital markets business is working. Um, what you know about us, I think, is the accurate thing. We are a reasonably large manager, but we're a manager focused just in natural resources. Now that we've gone from bear market to bull market in resources, it's as though we worked seven years very hard to be overnight successes. That's where we are in the market today. Relative to your peers, do you think you have a competitive advantage at the bottom of the gold commodity cycle? <clears throat> we don't have many peers left. Many of the other <laughs> funds got out of the business or uh, let go of staff. Um, many of the funds, the precious metal funds out there are shells of them, the, the, them for their formal, former selves. So uh, at the scale at which we invest in the sector, we don't have any competitors. Uh, we felt very lonely actually for the last couple of years. Um, so yeah, I think we've, we've got everybody that we need. We've got the brand that we need. We could use a few more salespeople, but that's a bad, a good problem to have, I should say. What trends are you seeing within the Sprott business, Peter, that would be applicable to investors that aren't just interested in Sprott? Perhaps there's a micro trend within your own business that could speak to an investing trend at large. Well, this is a really diverse, cyclical, fast-moving business. So there are always micro-trends in natural resource investing in things like uranium or coal or oil and gas that, that, that uh, make big differences. I'll turn it over to Rick, really. He's watching more closely. I think the trend that will amuse you the most is one that we've noticed very recently. I uh, made an offer on a podcast to rank individual stock portfolios. And as a consequence of that, I got to look very closely at the respondees. For the first time in my career, 75% of the respondees were below the age of 40. Mm. The history of the business is me, old, fat, grumpy, white guys. 35% uh, of the respondees were female. Out of 460 respondees, 13 countries were represented. What I see happening in resource retail is very, very different. The millennials are responding. And the millennials traditionally haven't been interested in gold or resources because there hasn't been a need to. But the millennials are, in my experience, the most narrative-oriented generation 
that has existed on Earth. And the most powerful narrative that I know of in the investment business when it gets going is gold, simply because it motivates both greed and fear. The millennials also have um, disaggregated sources of information. What that means is that they absorb information and they group source and create information much more quickly than my generation did. What that means is that if the millennials were to absor uh, absorb the golden resources story, the nature of their response, the quickness of their response, I think would surprise everybody. And I'm seeing it happen right in front of me. It's very odd to watch. With trends within investment trends within Sprott, are you doing anything with artificial intelligence and how do you plan to profit from this trend specifically within the, within the exploration industry? Well, artificial intelligence hurts some of our competitors because it took the edge off a lot of CTA, commodity trading account uh, management. The computers are now so fast that they can run ahead of almost any trend. Where we're putting our money is into digital gold. Uh, gold is one of the perfect assets to be put on the blockchain and moved around electronically. It never was in the past, but it answers this massive question, which is how can gold be used? Described as a pet rock by some and non-interest bearing by others. Um, the familiar quote that was always given to me is, yeah, but what happens if there's a real crisis? I'm not going to pay for my gas tank of gas with, with gold coins. If you can cut gold up, encrypt it technologically and digitally, and send it from place to place so that you can literally use a fraction of a gram to pay for a Starbucks cup, now gold becomes a real counter currency. And I think it's happening. We have investments in five companies to date uh, where the technologies are now proven. Uh, the standard is yet to emerge. The, the going viral has yet to emerge, but they work and they're gaining assets now. So that's a very exciting trend. With your older clientele, did you notice a little pushback? But they said, hey, Peter, but there's still counterparty risk here. It's not within my own possession. What happens uh, if the well, government step oversteps? Yeah, so no counterparty counterparty risk on digital gold because you're still holding part of a physical bar. Um, what happens if governments interject? That's always a question we get asked and it's a very you know, worthwhile question to think about. So where you store the gold, um, what, kind, what citizen you're a country of and what their, what their policies are towards it are, are important questions. Mm -hmm. Rick, I'm going to flip one of your own questions back on you. The, what keeps you up at night? What the three things that could go wrong here? You mentioned that there's not truly a Sprott competitor, so I'm assuming that you, there would be three self-destructive things within the company that could potentially cause things to air? I, I think you described it well, within the company. I, I think where we are right now in Sprott, uh, great team of people that have worked together literally through the valley of the shadow of death. Good balance sheet. We haven't blown it up. Uh, 150,000 customers. Great brand name. What could go wrong for Sprott would be internal to Sprott. It, it would be some degradation of the Sprott culture, which I don't see as an immediate risk. The thing that keeps me awake at night is we're nine years now into a global recovery. To the extent that we went into a synchronized recession worldwide, well, it wouldn't hurt our gold business. It would hurt our base metals business. It would hurt our energy business. It would hurt those businesses. And I would say the thing that makes me the most nervous 
is this recovery, as tepid as it is, as reliant on artificially low interest rates as it is, uh, going into a synchronous decline, particularly a decline that manifested itself in a credit contraction. In a credit contraction, the sales aren't made by the investors, they're made by margin clerks, and everything gets hurt. In the long term, that would benefit Sprott because we have a prudent balance sheet. It's tough to go broke without debt. Uh, in the near term, a credit contraction takes all quotes down. So I would say that my number one worry would be a synchronous global economic slowdown. My second risk is more, uh, my, my, the second thing that keeps me awake is more slow motion. And that's the stupidity of regulation. Um, governments around the world are doing their best to protect investors from themselves. And that has two pernicious impacts. The first is, ironically, that investors become more trusting of less trustworthy financial institutions because they believe that the government will protect them, which they don't. They, come fall, they fall prey to more scams, if you will. The second is that the set of regulatory circumstances that put in place over time erode our ability to service our customer base. So that certainly, uh, I think, bothers me. And I don't think I, I don't think I can see a third risk that bothers me as much as those two. Peter, is there anything you'd like to add to that? Hmm. Well, my biggest day-to-day -day risk is the fear that we don't raise enough money to deploy it in the excellent opportunities we're seeing in the gold sector because we're just so excited by some of the, the things that we're seeing and the opportunities. Second would be what Rick mentioned, um, some form of government nationalization or regulation that stops us from doing what we're doing because um, really gold is the anti-currency and I think it's a huge market and I think it's going to grow very quickly from here. Rick, I have a question about hedging a mining stock portfolio. I've heard you often say that if you're going to speculate, you want to at least throw a quarter million dollars at a, at least, uh, I think it was 10 different companies, maybe $25,000 positions in each. And when you say that, I'm assuming you're thinking of a high net worth individual that has that to play around in the junior stocks. So with that in mind, that person may not need to hedge, I'm thinking, that their portfolio because they would have other investments assumed that would be a sort of hedge against the, the high risk, high return. But for someone that maybe is a little younger and is toiling with the junior mining stocks, what advice might you give for someone like that that wants to hedge their mining stock portfolio? Two pieces of advice. The first is for a younger person building a mining stock portfolio. If you think gold's going to go up, start with gold. Too many times the young investor goes to the riskiest possible asset first. That's okay because they can come back from it. But there's no particular point in wasting a, bear, a bull market that's as good as this bull market is going to be. Uh, so I would say for investors of every age, start your gold portfolio with gold. Of course, my preference would be that they use one of the Sprott Physical Precious Metals Trusts. But beyond the commercial, the second thing is to right-size your investment. One thing that happens, particularly young investors, is when they come on the narrative, the narrative becomes so powerful 
that they overinvest in resources. They end up with 100% of their portfolio in gold stocks and often junior gold stocks. Resource stocks at the bottom of a bear market probably should occupy no more than 35% of a portfolio, not 100%. The most natural hedge of all is to have a reasonable spread uh, of economic sectors. And mercifully today for younger investors, there are, as an example, uh, ETFs on ETFs. Uh, it's possible to own uh, high dividend paying, you know, U.S. multinational companies. It's possible to own everything. And the prudent investor, including the prudent young investor, can have a natural hedge by owning as much of the economy as is economically feasible. Importantly, though, for the young investor now, it's easy to say but difficult to understand that bear markets are the authors of bull markets. And the bear market that we've just been through is one for the record books. The TSXV Resource Index, which we measure ourselves against, is off 85% in nominal terms, 90% real terms because they gain the index, throwing up bankrupt companies. When you look at a 40-year chart of gold stocks, the Bloomberg, uh, pardon me, Barron's Gold Mining Stock Index is the one I use, what is apparent to you is, first of all, the incredible cyclicality of the business, but secondly, the dramatic nature of the upturns. Young investors can buy the best of the best gold stocks. They don't need to buy the gamiest, the best of the best gold stocks and in the right markets make two or three hundred percent. So be in the game, be in the game right size, but be in the game with very, very high quality. Anything to add, Peter? Well, I think Rick gives prudent advice about building a portfolio. Don't think of it as trying to be a hero. It's a cyclical business. It's also a business with a lot of volatility where juniors have a ton of leverage to their program. So I think build a portfolio and do it slowly. Don't try and rush in and start with gold. Rick, I heard recently someone say that we've seen the consolidation in the gold majors, but now we need to see the consolidation in the gold mid-tiers. Do you agree with that? I do. I don't think we've seen enough consolidation in the majors yet either, but that's a different question. The truth is that one of the things that plagues the gold industry is too much general and administrative expense relative to assets under management or relative to EBIT. The best way to address that is to send some managements to management heaven. And the way that you do that is by consolidation, and it will take place. And you agree? I do, and it's not only going to be majors buying intermediates or juniors, which they constantly say they won't, and why wouldn't they say that? Because they're just going to mark them up themselves if they're uh, telling everybody what they're about to do. But I also think it's going to be junior to junior consolidation. Um, investors, importantly, um, are really against holding single asset companies these days, partially for the reason that Rick mentions and partially because it's, it's just not enough risk mitigation to have you know, all of your eggs in one basket. Okay, this is my second to last question. Rick, I asked you previously in an earlier interview this year about young management and how you vet them. And, uh, and one of the things you said was, I need a referral from somebody I know right. that knows them. That was the key takeaway for me from that. Uh, let's talk about uh, management on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, giving, giving you an example of like a gold exploration company, early stage, and the top three or four 
management, I'm not talking about board members or key investors, the management are in their mid-70s. Is it rightful for an investor to look at that situation and say, you know, maybe I have some concerns about ambition and health here. Are those concerns legitimate? Yes, absolutely. One of the things that you, I mean, to be involved in a junior stock with a management team, you want to be invested with a team that has been successful, perhaps serially successful. People in their 70s, if they haven't been successful, <laughs> you have no use investing them. If they have been successful, they might be more interested in their grandchildren or their place in Hawaii than they are doing it again. So I, I think ideally what you would want is a 70-year-old chairman and mentor uh, with a 40-year-old CEO with good legs under him or her. Uh, I think you would want a mix of both. The experience and the ability to measure their experience is certainly useful, but uh, motivation can be different for somebody who's already made it. Anything to add, Peter? The mantra for other industries is invest in management first and everything else will be taken care of. We don't have it quite so easy in the mining business. I think we need to look at the asset and decide whether it's good and we need to look at the management and decide whether they're good. You rarely get both at the same time when you're starting a company out. Hopefully you'll have the two attract each other. For the last question, Rick, I'd like you to ask Peter a question uh, regarding what you think would be most pertinent for my listeners to know as a result of this conversation. Peter, how does uh, our organization, with all of the wind in our sails now, avoid becoming hubris-ridden and avoid making the catastrophic mistakes that seem to characterize our industry over time? In other words, uh, you're the adult supervisor. How do you plan to discipline all of your wayward children? It wasn't the first thing on my mind this morning, given the nine-year bear market we just went through, but I would say that we're now a process-driven company. Um, Ten years ago, we were an individual-driven company, meaning we had star managers that were going to do what they wanted to do when they woke up in the morning and they produced the results, and that was the end of the story and the equation. Now we're driven by processes. Our funds have teams around them. We have investment committees. Not saying a team's always the best way to make a decision, definitely not. But our company's big enough now that those processes will work to, uh, I think, uh, settle the hubris down when, when it might otherwise come. Excellent. Well, gentlemen, this has been an excellent conversation. I appreciate your insights and uh, sharing with my listeners. Thank you very Thank you. much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Mining Stock Education Podcast. Please subscribe and share with like-minded investors. Visit us on the web at miningstockeducation.com for more resources on precious metals and natural resource investing. At our website, you can also sign up for our free newsletter for interview transcripts, stock picks, and more.
This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.